friends, welcome back to episode 12 of the Inspire Literacy podcast. I'm here with Shara. Hi, Shara. Hi. Good to be back. So this week, um, we have a great topic um, that I think will relate to a lot of people or speak to a lot of people and myself included, right? Um, This week, we're going to talk about how to keep those mini lessons mini. Yeah, it's a good one. It's super relevant right now in my life, in your life, in teachers' lives. Um, I just wanted to start with yesterday. I was um, doing a demo lesson for a very seasoned teacher. She's an amazing workshop teacher, and I just wanted to practice something in her room, and she was so kind to let me. Um, And so I was asking her for feedback once the mini, and it was just the mini lesson, Um, I was asking her for feedback after it was over, and um, she sent me this beautiful text of feedback, um, and she said that it was such a good reminder of how to keep mini lessons mini, and that how she remembered when I first started teaching her that I always had my phone timer out, um, and she just named like a couple of other things that we'll talk about today. Um, And I just thought, gosh, this is a good topic because here's a teacher who's been teaching workshop a long time and it's always helpful to bring something back to the forefront of our minds that are, that is super important, like keeping our mini lessons mini. Yeah. And this too, this topic has been on my mind too, because, um, I've been working with um, a lot of teachers that are actually brand new to the work. And um, last week I was working with a lovely group of teachers and I just, you know, launched with how's it going, you know, what's going well and and what are some of the trickiest parts and right away, um, almost unanimously, all of them were saying, it's so hard to keep these mini lessons short and sweet. We need some tips, (laughs) help us. Mm -hmm. So, um, I do think, you know, just like you said, whether you're a seasoned teacher and you've been doing this for a long time, or if, even if you're brand new to the work, um, keeping those mini lessons, mini, um, it's just, it's tricky. Um, it's tricky. So there are some tips and tricks that I think we can share with you guys today that, um, you know, you may be, um, mindful of. Yeah, and I think about this a lot as an outsider coming in to teach mini lessons, Um, and I I often wonder if sometimes it's easier or just happens a little better as an outsider because one of the tips that we'll talk about is um, not calling on kids and not having them raise their hands, and as an outsider, like I don't have that deep love for those children sitting in front of me. I do love them and I will grow to love them. But the first time I do a mini lesson, I don't have that relationship with them. So when I just tell them, you know, give that motion to put their hands down, um, it just might be easier. So keep that in mind. None of this is easy. We know that we say that all the time, Um, but we just know that it's important. So why should we keep our mini lessons mini? Yeah. Well, I think um, one of the things that often comes to mind when I think about 
why we should keep mini lessons mini is um, Eric Jansen's work. Um, he wrote a book called Teaching with the Brain in Mind. And it was based upon this body of research um, about the number of minutes that kids can sustain attention where, when they're in a direct instruction lesson. And um, I'm sure you guys have heard this before, but just, it's kind of interesting to think about this and to be reminded of this research. Um, and basically he wrote that in K2 or our K2 students um, can sustain attention for five to eight minutes, not very long. <laughs> and not and super I'm, surprising for kindergarten teachers, I'm sure. Right, right. Our <laughs> um, three to fifth graders, our third through fifth graders rather, um, are in about an eight to 12 minute um, attention span. And so just slightly a little bit more. And then our sixth through eighth graders are at about 12 to 15 minutes, um, which is really kind of cool to think like the way that workshop um, is structured really supports this body of research that we are teaching with the brain in mind that, you know, we're no longer going to be the teachers that um, hold the kids sort of captive, you know, <laughs> for 30 minutes um, on the rug. Um, but we're really going to keep this research in mind and, and know that kids can only take this direct instruction, um, you know, in little, small, tiny doses. What about you? What do you think of, of why many lessons should be many? Well, before we move on, I have to like hashtag goals on that. Yes, I know. Timing, right? Like yes. five to eight minutes. <laughs> I, 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 I got some work still to do there. Um, but yes, yeah, super important to keep that at the forefront of our minds. Um, and then I just love when the universe kind of lines up with what we're thinking about and what other people are studying. And um, when we were kind of planning this podcast, procrastination sets in sometimes. And I'm scrolling through Twitter and um, saw this beautiful quote by Brooke Geller, who we know and love, um, mm -hmm. that Tanil put out today. And what it said was, one of the misconceptions about workshop teaching is that all the magic happens in the mini lesson. It's a launching point, but we move the needle for kids during explicit instruction that occurs during small groups, conferring and read alouds. And I think this lines up perfectly with what we always tell teachers, like don't plan your mini lesson for an hour when it's only supposed to be 10 minutes. It's not everything. It's just a part of your workshop. And we definitely don't want to be planning for an hour. And we definitely don't want to be teaching it for an hour. So we need to really shrink down um, on both of those sides, the yeah. planning and the execution of it. And I always think um, kind of building off of you know, Brooke's quote here is that I always say many lessons aren't for mastery, mm -hmm. right? And that is often like a big shift that um, I know I had to do when I first went more to a, towards a workshop approach. And when I was first learning about many lessons, I was like, 
you know, I would make that mistake. My mini lessons were not many <laughs> because mm -hmm. I was like keeping them on the rug, trying to make sure that everyone understood the concept or at least got closer to it. Um, and what I soon realized was that was not necessarily what was best for them because to Brooke's point, you know, what's most important, what's going to move the needle for kids isn't me um, talking at them about any one said skill, but is in the, the practice time where they get to go off and try some of those strategies independently. And then also, of course, with that explicit instruction and support from me as well. For sure. Which actually, I mean, leads into um, when I think about that, okay, well, if many lessons aren't for mastery, um, that sort of takes a little bit of weight off of me, yeah. I feel like, uh, as like, okay, well, if the mini lesson isn't perfect, because it never will be, mm -hmm. ever, um, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think that we'll talk a little bit about this, but that kids come to expect the structure of the mini lesson. Mm -hmm. And that structure is so important and so helpful for kids to, to expect how, about how long they should be on the carpet too. Um, and mm -hmm. to know like, this is what my expectation is when I come to the carpet for a mini lesson. And we have to teach that. And we surely have to teach that this year when we have, you know, COVID from last year and kids not coming to the carpet, maybe not since March of the year before. Yes. So we really have to keep those mini lessons mini and um, stay focused on the structure of them for sure. Yeah. So it looks like we're already starting to bleed over into some of our tips and tricks, right? So, um, you know, let's just share out some of, of like the things that we that feel are most helpful to us when we're teaching many lessons. And I will say, like, I love that you start with this idea of these routines for coming and going to the carpet. Um, I've been in quite a few classrooms over the past couple weeks. And, um, you know, as the coach, I have found myself doing that very thing that you're talking about where I'm like, oh, wait, 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 let's try that again, guys. You know, I'm going to set a timer, like, or not even set a timer. I'm going to count down from five. And when I get to zero, you're on the rug, you've got your materials, you're ready to go. Like I find myself kind of reteaching that, reteaching that and emphasizing that with kids and with teachers, because I think it is so important. It's really easy if we get a little loose with this, that we lose a lot of time. Mm -hmm. um, and time is of the essence um, with everything that we do, right? So I think those routines is, is definitely a great place to start, making sure we have those tight. Yeah. And I think along with that, and it kind of goes with what I was saying earlier about kids knowing the expectation of the mini lesson, like what their job is, what it's going to sound like, mm -hmm. uh, like not calling on kids mm -hmm. is so hard, right? When we start the you know, connection of the lesson. And instead of asking an open-ended question, like what did we learn yesterday? Or what were we talking about yesterday? And then you have, you know, six different hands go up. And by the way, it's probably the same six hands that always go up. And then you call on one and it's not exactly what we did yesterday. And next thing you know, your time is ticking and you're, you're down the rabbit hole. <laughs> you're down the rabbit hole and you haven't even got through the connection. Um, yeah. 
So I think have a gesture for, or have a hand motion for kids to put their hands down. We have to train them that during this part of the lesson, um, we're not gonna call on individual kids um, because that is the number one way that time is gonna dwindle away. Yeah, and it's not to say that we don't value their feedback and their their input put and their engagement. Um, I just think we have to rely on other engagement strategies, mm-hmm. um, which I think would lead into our next tip, which would be um, in place of calling on kids mm-hmm. individually, um, what are some of the other engagement strategies that we might try? Um, you know, the tried and true turn and talk, right? So one of the routines that we want to teach our students when they come to the rug is to sit next to their reading partner, right? That long-term reading partner so that when it is an opportunity for the kids to engage with the lesson in some way or practice with the content in some way, and we could provide the prompt turn and talk, those kids are so well-trained that boom, in a split second, they can turn and um, talk. That might be one way we engage with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that does, of course, is yes, that supports our pacing, as you said. Um, it also supports engagement because I'm not, you know, eliciting for just Shara's response at, yeah. at which who's doing the work, only Shara. You know, like I'm also being mindful that, um, you know, everyone gets a chance to try it if I'm doing um, or really relying on some engagement strategies like turn and talk Mm -hmm. or in the upper grades and maybe a little bit, you you might speak to this better, stop and jot, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We may may have them practice the strategy. Again, it's that idea that everyone's getting a chance to try it and I'm not calling on individual kids. What are some of your other engagement strategies that you like to use? Um, oh, I definitely use thumbs up, thumbs down, like um, thumbs up. If you tried this strategy yesterday, when we talked about, you know, adding speech bubbles to your writing or, yeah. you know, um, and when it's time to like do some thinking, like, okay, before you go out off the carpet today, um, I want you to think of what's your next story going to be about top your head. So I know you're thinking, give me a thumbs up when you have an idea for that story. Uh, obviously we still use turn and talk in primary as Mm -hmm. well. Um, acting it out is a great way, especially for, I mean, for both reading and for writing. Um, but a lot of times I'll have kids pretend they have for writing a blank booklet in front of them and they'll like act out turning the pages and telling their story. Also acting out how the characters are feeling in their, their reading. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, it, when you're talking about that, it reminds me, um, this happens all the time when I'm demoing in a classroom that kids will start to raise their hand when that happens. Sometimes I will, as you said before, just gesture to them, um, by, you know, putting my hands up and down to like gesture, like, okay, put your hands down. Um, but sometimes I will say, oh my goodness, like I see you guys have a lot of thinking about this. I'm going to share my thinking, right? If it's appropriate, see mm-hmm. if it matches, right? See if your thinking matches mine. So I'm not just totally ignoring them, but I'm also like wanting them to listen and engage, um, you know, engage cognitively with my thinking. 
Yes. So, all right. So, so far we've talked about routines. We've talked about um, gestures, not calling on the kids and in place of calling on the kids, um, using some engagement strategies that all will support your pacing to go pretty quickly. What are some other things that you're thinking of? I think one of the things I love and I hate um, but has really helped my mini lessons stay mini is to have a timer next yes. to me. Um, I know that, you know, when I was a classroom teacher, my coach would come in, she would bring her timer and set it right next to me. And we would look at it together and, you know, talk about, oh gosh, your mini lesson was 24 minutes today. <laughs> Did you notice all the kids were like rolling on the carpet and doing all the things, poking each other? I was like, no, no, I didn't. Um, so I, once I started using that timer and trying to stick to the time, it really helped me stay focused and it helped the kids stay focused. And guess what? When they went back to their seats, they were focused because they knew what to do. They, it was spot on. They knew what the, the teaching was for that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I too like to set a timer, um, just so I'm very mindful of it. Because I do think that it's very easy to, if you don't time yourself, it's very easy to look up and go, oh no, it's been 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so typically when I'm timing myself and, and what I often share with colleagues that I'm working with, I'll say sort of my internal clock is telling me that the connection of the mini lesson should be like maybe two minutes at most. Mm -hmm. Um, like if I look down at my timer and I haven't said the teaching point and it's already two minutes in, I'm like, okay, time to say the teaching point. Mm -hmm. And then the teach phase of the mini lesson, I typically like to be around that four minute mark. And then the active engagement, again, another four ish minutes. And then the link is only about usually one minute, you know, long, um, give or take, you know, a little bit of time there, but um, just sort of keeping with that pace. And what I found is the more I started to rely on that and like timing myself, I realized that that started to sort of internalize like that rhythm yeah. um, of the mini lesson. And I, I had to, re- I didn't have to rather rely on the timer as much. So yeah, timing yourself, I think is a great tip. And I think along those same lines that we don't sit down to our mini lessons and we just wing it. We don't just start talking because that is a surefire way to go completely off topic. <laughs> Be very confusing for kids. So we want to stick to the architecture, like you're saying, those four parts of yes. the mini lesson. Um, something that helps me when I'm planning my mini lessons or giving my mini lessons is what I call like a teaching point sandwich. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the connection comes the teaching point, the teaching point. And with that, I oftentimes, especially for primary, add a gesture to that. And I have the kids kind of gesture with me um, so that we're putting some kinesthetic movement to the teaching point. Um, And then we do the teach. And at the beginning of the teach is the teaching point. And at the end of the teach is the teaching point. Did you notice how I, Mm -hmm. and I say the teaching point again, and then it's the active engagement. And I'm like, now it's your turn to try teaching point. And then they do it. 
And then teaching point sandwich, I'm like, I noticed that you mm-hmm. say it again. And then at the link, of course, we're going to remind them of that teaching point one more time. Um, and that just really helps, again, that pacing and that rhythm. And then I can definitely internalize it. And once I internalize it, it becomes much easier and part of my daily routine, just like with anything. The more we practice, the better we get at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think another tip um, that I would give is to assign partners like one and two or call it mac and cheese or peanut Mm -hmm. butter and jelly, whatever you want to call it. Um, I do think that helps with the pacing and also with engagement um, because in not, and maybe this is more true for the upper grades, but I, it probably happens in, in primary too, but not every single lesson inside the active engagement will both partners be able to practice the teaching point. Um, so I think it helps, um, because often if I don't do that, or if I'm in a classroom who doesn't have partners one and two, Mm -hmm. what I notice happens when I say, turn and try it or turn and talk, there's like these, this moment at first where the kids turn and look at each other and they negotiate. Yeah. You going first? No, I'm going first. No, I, you know, and then they wasted all this time. So if. I can assign partners one and two, then inside of the active engagement, you know, I can say, okay, partner one, you're going to go first, try blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Give partner two a role, listen for da, 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 or give feedback for blah, blah, blah. Right. So um, I do think assigning partners one and two um, can help with your pacing. Um, I also think back, as I was saying before, that not every single day. I think one of the ways we can get off track is to think, oh, I've got to give time for both partners to practice the thing. So in in some days I do, right? Some days that's lovely if I can to say, okay, partner one, you're going to go first. And then they go. And then I'm like, partner two, you get to go. But not every day does that happen. And I think sometimes that's a slippery slope. If I feel like, oh my gosh, I got to keep them on the carpet for both, you know, kiddos to get a chance to go. Um, so it's not that, again, we don't want them to, it's just, we know that the most important thing is for that independent time, um, so that we can really do that targeted instruction. So if for some reason, the mini lesson, both partners maybe didn't get a chance to try it. Sometimes I like to tuck that second round of practice into the mid workshop Mm -hmm. So I might say, you know, partner two, it's your turn, like really quickly, just, you know, try it with your partner, or sometimes we'll tuck it into the share where we have another round of practice and we can strategically ask the other partner, um, to try it. And along those lines, um, I, one of my favorite first grade teachers had her partners up on the board and she had a magnet on top of, you know, which peanut butter went first today and then tomorrow because who can remember who went first oh yeah they will remind you peanut butter went first yesterday (laughs) Uh, but I think keeping track of that and then also along those lines is we know that we get a lot of information from listening into those partnerships during the active engagement we're up out of our chair and we're you know trying ear to the conversation and trying to you know 
coach partnerships along. Um, but again, comes that idea of the timer and the idea of how long this is going on. Some classes can talk a, totally a long time, a really long time. And if I let that happen, then again, I'm in that 20 minute mark instead of I'm just going to go to this area today and coach these partnerships. And then tomorrow I'm going to head to this area and coach mm-hmm. these partnerships. Um, just again, keeping an eye on, on the time of it. Yeah. Mary Erin Worth um, taught me um, that you basically have to cut kids off while they're still talking. Yeah. Um, because she said, if you don't, if you wait until everyone's sort of done talking or trying the thing, that's when you lose them, <laughs> you know, because you've got kids that are done. And so inevitably they're goofing around or they're talking about, you know, recess or whatnot and not, you know, engaged in the, in the task that we want them in. So, um, you know, not being afraid, I guess, to cut them off before they're all um, done talking, I think is, um, is a good tip. Yes. And sort of tied to that, I would say, um, I think another thing that can be tricky is once they do get a chance to practice, sometimes we feel like um, we need to share out, you know, a lot of student responses. Oh, right. Yeah. And I do that. I, I don't know about you. I do do that. But sometimes I'm, I'm bare, like you had said, you listen in to partners and I definitely do that. And I'm coaching them. And definitely what I'm listening for are those proficient responses mm-hmm. so that I could say, oh, Shara, like I heard you say, blah, blah, blah. Readers, do you notice how she, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm often sharing those proficient responses, or if, if I know that, or if I have enough time, I might say, Shara, would you mind sharing, you know, your thinking? Cause I know that your thinking is going to be sort of lined up or match up with, um, you know, the teaching point. Um, I want kids to hear all the proficient examples mm-hmm. of the teaching point as possible. Um, so I tend to not randomly call on kids cause I'm like, oh no, there goes that rabbit hole again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So let's see. Oh, I know. I know. I have a good tip. Uh-huh. We are not going to reteach the same mini lesson again and again and again and again either. Uh Uh And that kind of goes with the mini lesson is not for mastery, right? We are going to keep that day's mini lesson mini and not revisit that same mini lesson again the next day and the next day because not everybody got it. Why? Because not all kids are ready for it. And not all kids have to do that particular strategy for the day. I just taught a first grade lesson the other day that was um, bringing characters to life and adding speech bubbles. And yes, that is super important. But some kids already had dialogue in their writing. And so if I'm holding them accountable to speech bubbles, even though they're kind of ahead of that, that's not super effective. Or if 
they're not ready for speech bubbles and they still are working on telling their story across pages, then that's not super effective either. Um, right. Which again comes back to like the small group work, right? I'm going to meet with the kids who aren't ready for speech bubbles and get them what they need. And the kids who already have dialogue, I'm going to stretch them to be purposeful with their dialogue or whatever um, mm -hmm. the next strategy would be after that. Yeah. The mini lesson doesn't become everyone's work of the mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that again goes back. I'm just echoing it again, um, that the mini lesson isn't for mastery. Um, and we can't expect kids to master something in 10 minutes or 12 minutes. That's not going to happen. We know the true mastery is, to your point, going to happen in those small groups, like those repetitive small groups or those repetitive conferences um, where we can coach them a little bit more closely. Um, so yeah, I think we are definitely mindful that the mini lesson, um, you know, isn't, or the link of our mini lessons doesn't sound like an assignment. Like, oh, I taught you to do the speech bubbles. Now everyone go off and all you're going to do is the speech bubbles. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we're building that repertoire of skills. So we want to make sure we're referring to our anchor chart there at the end of the lesson um, and we're allowing kids some agency around um, what strategies are going to make sense for them to try in their reading or their writing. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it was Lucy herself who said if they do master it in 10 minutes, they probably already knew how to do it. They didn't need it anyways. They didn't yeah. need it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I would say the last tip, and this came up um, Actually, yesterday I was working with uh, some middle school teachers and um, I was teaching a lesson around, um, you know, reading wide, wide awake, like on alert, on high alert. And the teachers were, were saying like, oh, what if the kids don't know what that means? Shouldn't we like stop and, you know, teach them what that word means or what that concept means? Um, and I kind of said, well, no, I think that they'll get it, um, you know, across the, the lesson just by doing it. I think sometimes we feel like we have to overteach things or we have to pause certain aspects of the mini lesson to teach a vocabulary word or um, teach a concept or something like that. Um, I tend to not do that. that. Now, if I thought that kids needed a little bit of a preview of a certain concept, then of course I could do that um, in a small group or, um, you know, drop it in at some other point of the day. Mm -hmm. Wow, some tips and tricks, huh? That was yeah. a lot. That's a lot. Okay, so our listeners, hopefully you are taking in all, all of these <laughs> things. Um, you know, here, here's what I would say is if, if you're listening and if, you know, making your mini lessons mini is something that um, you're working on, which all of us are mm -hmm. all the time, um, maybe you could take one or two of these tips and write them on a post-it. You know how we love to write things on post-it, write it on a post-it, you know, today, tonight, at some point. Stick it in your planning book. And tomorrow, when you go to teach, um, put it into practice, right? Like be intentional about 
one of these things at a time or two of these things at a time and see how it feels, right? Um, we listed off, I don't know, 15 things. I'm not sure how many, a lot. Um, and I think that can be overwhelming, right? So, um, you know, Rome wasn't built overnight. Mm-hmm. Try to take one thing on a time and, and see if it, if it helps, see if it makes your teaching um, more efficient and, and most importantly, more powerful for kids. And let's not forget to celebrate all the things that you're already doing, right? Mm-hmm. We do this all the time with glows and grows. Mm-hmm. You could also take this list and yeah. say, yeah, I do a lot of turn and talk. Yes, I already have my partnerships and celebrate what you're already doing. And then like Erica saying, set a goal. And check mm-hmm. in on that and then set a new goal, right? Yeah. And then before you know it, you're going to have many, many lessons. Mm-hmm. And then you need to come back and learn about making your small groups even better. <laughs> yeah. See, that's why we love this work because there's just so many layers to it, right? Like I'm always learning, always growing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so beautiful. It's beautiful to think like I'm never done learning. So with that, um, I think that's our, our episode for this week. We hope you found it um, helpful. Please give us feedback. Let us know um, how your mini lessons are going. Um, and then if there's other topics that you'd like us to chat about, we'd love to know. Um, and, um, you know, finally, I'll just say, um, we're describing the work that we do in classrooms with teachers right? Um, And if this is something that you don't have at your school, we'd love to be invited in. (laughs) We'd love it. So with that, we will sign off until next, next week, right? Yep. Let us inspire you. You inspire us. We want to inspire you. That's right. Mm -hmm.